RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Welcome to another episode of the Real Animals Podcast, always presented by my good friends at Contender Boats. Today is a a very cool day for me, Uh, one of the probably most experienced, most trusted guides, Uh, one of the guys that I have always looked up to since I got into the business uh, here on Florida's West Coast, a guy who has won tournaments, who has caught fish. Uh, he, he fishes Tampa Bay. He fishes Newport Ritchie. He fishes Boca Grande. He fishes Louisiana. And he's good at all of them. My good friend joining me today, Captain Greg Duvall. Gee, how are you, pal? I'm good. I'm good, man. I hope I can live up to that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you've already lived up to it, my friend. I think, uh, I think like I said, you are, uh, you, you know what I think stands out to me when, when, when somebody asks me about Greg DeVault and and they do ask me because a lot of guys, a lot of people know we're friends because we do some, you know, fishing conversations together and things like that. People yeah. ask me about Greg Devault, and the word that comes to mind for me, which it may sound easy to people, but it's really not. In the fishing game, the way the weather changes, the way the tides and the moon phases come at us every couple of weeks, to me, a, a word that is a, a that I and I don't throw it around loosely is consistently. Solid. I think of Greg DeVault, and I think that if there's fish there, Greg can catch them or can figure out a way to catch them. And I, th- I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, I've watched you do it on tour when, when you know, tournaments were very hard to fish, even through pre-fishing. You know, I'm pre-fishing for a week, and we're, we're struggling to get bit. We're struggling to find fish. And then somehow, you know, we get to tournament day, and there you are sitting somewhere in that top ten, you know, tournament after tournament. So, you know, in Boca Grande, watching you on the beach and watching you in the ditch, and I just think that you've been so consistent over the years is really impressive to me. And I, I think of you, you know, that, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, and it's like all the good old days. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the guys that wear it, that can wear that moniker, I think if you look back, are, are guys that, you know, that have been in this game a long time. You know, the Dave Marquettes, um, Scott Moores, you know, all those guys. And I'm not comparing myself to either of them by any means. But, you know, it, when you have, you know, it, you have a big – a big book to fall back on when, when things do what they just did this, you know, this week. I mean, you know, it goes from a bite that's wide open and, you know, I mean, you just got to hit the water to catch a fish just to something that's, you know, you got to find them now and then you still got to make them eat. And, you know, the more knowledge and the more, you know, times you've had on the water and experiences with those kind of conditions, you know, you, you don't, you don't panic. You just, you know, you learn this game becomes, like we said earlier, kind of an entertainment game and you, you do the best you can. And if you've done that, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to find something and you're going to have a good time doing it. And people are going to remember that part of it. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, so let's start here, G let's, let's, how does, how does Greg DeVault go from little Greg DeVault to, you know, one of the best fishermen on the West coast of Florida, one of the best red fishermen in the country. Mm -hmm. How does that all happen? Man, I wish I knew. <laughs> it wasn't the plan. I'll say that. <laughs> the plan was to be retired by now from 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 some major league baseball team, and 
you know, relaxing somewhere probably in the woods, but I, I started fishing really early. My, um, my grandfather, he, um, he really didn't guide in this area, but he took a lot of people fishing, um, just cause he loved to fish. And I, I got to go fishing with him and a lot growing up, you know, and the thing that, and it still, it still runs true today. My favorite, absolute favorite thing to do is to catch trout in the wintertime on jigs and artificials. And that was what my grandfather's forte was. I mean, he, he never used a piece of live bait in his life. And, you know, he, he owned every mirror lure there was known to man. And, you know, he trout fished. That's all he ever wanted to catch. I, I can remember him cussing when he would hook a snooker redfish. I mean, wow. he just didn't, he wanted trout. Yeah. He just wanted trout. And I, I grew up doing that and I grew up learning, you know, just, it, it was a lot different obviously back then, not to give away my age anyway, but you know, for, 40 years ago, this place was a whole lot different and you know, there was a lot of fish and, and we had, you know, we had a lot of time to fish. I had a lot of time to be out here with them and I, I just fell in love with it. And, you know, as we grow up and go to school, you know, the freshwater side of it was much easier so I, I kind of learned to, you know, learn the artificial game, catching bass and everything like that around the house. And it just progressed from there. I never, never planned on being a guy, just kind of fell into this, you know, this business. And, you know, it was something I loved to do. And all of a sudden people were wanting to pay me to do it. And, you know, it was, it was, it was an easy transition. You know, I went from, I went from playing baseball to fishing, you know, some of the times and working for my dad and all of a sudden his clients wanted to take me fishing and they wanted me to take them fishing and, you know, get a business group from there. I mean, it, it was definitely not planned. And, you know, today I still look back and it's funny. I'm sure all guides do this, but it, you know, every year you're, you're always looking, it's like, Oh my God, is this going to be the year I can't fill my book up? And <laughs> you know, inevitably it always does, you know, it, we're just in that business and inevitably it fills up and you know, we all, we've all made good friendships through the years. And especially, you know, you say, how do I get to here? Um, you know, you as well as everybody else that fished the tournament trail when it first started back in the early two thousands, I mean, that, that made us probably the best fishermen we could have been, you know, cause we were, we were just, we hadn't, you know, we hadn't traveled, you know, at least I hadn't, you know, I hadn't I fished hadn't. anywhere outside of the West coast. Of, yeah. I hadn't fished anywhere out of the West coast of Florida. And little did we know that the West coast of Florida was the hardest place in the Gulf of Mexico to catch a redfish. <laughs> so, you know, we, it, we had an advantage going in that we didn't know. And, you know, it, it made us better fishermen because we were from here and it made us better fishermen when we fished all those places. Cause we learned, you know, we learned from the guys that we fished against and with, you know, we all, you know, we were all a family in those, you know, in those early years, you know, everybody looked after everybody. We wanted to, you know, I wanted to beat you as bad as you wanted to beat me, but you know, I wasn't going to leave you stranded or if you needed something, uh, you know, and I yeah. needed something, I knew I could call somebody. Sure. And, um, you know, it made for a, a very, a very easy, easy time to go and travel and fish those tournaments. And, and we all learned, I, I mean, I know I did. I, I, I'm, I'm 10 times better fisherman now than I was before I started those tournaments because of those tournaments. So, you know, I, I got here, it was a, it was a twisting road that kind of, kind of always pointed in this direction. And I'm, I'm glad it did for sure. Well, uh, there's a lot of people that are glad that, that you ended up being a full-time, a full-time <laughs> guide. I think it's funny through that whole thing there, 
I have a certain set of questions that I always like to ask during a podcast, like, you know, what's your favorite fish to catch? Well, you went and answered that one. And then, you know, what's your favorite <laughs> way to catch fish? And then you went and answered that one. And, you know, how, you know, I mean, so I'm like, okay. And then you were talking about things are way different now than they were, you know, 40 years ago. And I was like, you know, Hey, uh, how has things changed over the years? So I'm like, okay, well, that's the podcast. I appreciate you, Greg. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me. I was, I was looking over your shoulder. <laughs> Apparently. You're looking at yeah. my piece of paper yeah. here, aren't you? My notes. It, I, it's fun. It's funny. Cause people, you know, and you probably get this question all the time too. Uh, everybody always wants to know what, what's our favorite fish to catch when you said that. And it's, it's so hard. I always just say whichever one's hungriest. Right. <laughs> you know, Cause at the time that's, you know, that's what I want. Exactly. But you know, when I, when I look back, I, it's, it's really a hard choice, but I always, I always wind up with, you know, it, catching those dang trout on the jigs. I mean, it, it's not so much the trout themselves, but just the way we catch them, you know, when, yep. when it's that cold winter time and you just feel that thump. Yep. I mean, there's, there's something about that that I just, I mean, I could, I could do it year round. That's the one thing I could do year round. I know I could. I, it's funny so because it's, it's funny that you go to speckled trout. There's something from your past. The question that I mm-hmm. get all the time that I think is, is interesting and it's always an easy answer for me. And people, even my wife one time, she looked at me like, really? You know, people ask, you know, where's your favorite place to fish? If you could fish in one more place the rest of your life, where would it be? And, and, you're going to have to answer the same question because I'm going to ask you that question. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I always say I'm always like Boca Grande, and even my yeah. wife. When my um, wife was like, my wife was like Boca Grande, really. And and for me, I jumped into it so green. Um, you know, when I hit that very first IFA Redfish tournament in Jacksonville, I was I wasn't even a captain yet. I wasn't even I hadn't even thought about guiding yet. I was just wanting to fish some mm-hmm. tournaments and you know, was lucky that my construction business was doing well enough that I could be gone for a week and go to Jacksonville and, yeah. and fish the tournament. So um yep. Boca Grande is the very first place that I ever took a check. So to me I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then getting in the guide business really green greener than I should have lucky as all get out because I was hanging out with Billy and Billy knew Greg DeVault and he knew Bobby Goodwin and he knew Jamie Goodwin and Dave Marquette and Mark Thomas. So I ended up falling into, Mm -hmm. fortunately into a very CA Richardson. I fell into a very good group of guys that if you, if you just worked hard, showed up on time, kept your mouth shut and just, you know, paid attention, they would, they would bring you along and take care of you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's really, that's really how the whole thing kind of fell into place for me. Was it just, there was, there was that Boca Grand jig thing had really exploded and that whole group was all like a family down there in Boca Grand. And that was kind of the group that I kind of slid into. So then a couple years in, I'm guiding on Tampa Bay some, decide to go full-time, which is still one of those what-were-you-thinking moments. And then... <laughs> for and, all of us. <laughs> yes. And then, and then Boca Grande happened for me. And I think Boca yeah. Grande was the one place, once I got in there and figured that out, and, and got it gave me a lot of confidence to be able to read the ditch a little bit and catch those fish and place mm-hmm. in some of the tournaments. Um, you know, I've never been the best fisherman in the group, which I'm, you know, I'm okay with because it gives you something to always strive yeah. for. But I've always 
there were, as a matter of fact, you know, a couple of guys patting you on the back after a day in Boca Grand Pass. You know, when Artie Price is like, hey, you know, you were sticking them good in there. Jamie Goodwin, hey, you had a heck of a day in the mm-hmm. ditch today. You, you start to you start to f- build confidence in yourself. So Boca Grand for me is just a really, it's a really special place. And, you know, I've been so blessed to fish Costa Rica and Louisiana and all these incredible mm-hmm. fisheries, Charleston, you know, and have some epic days, just some really cool stuff. But, man, going back to like, like you go back to fishing with your grandfather, Newport Ritchie, mm-hmm. catching trout. I go back to Boca Grande for me just because of, you know, so much of who I am and what I've been able to accomplish, I think, is part of Boca Grande. So, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's just what a neat, you know, what a neat play. I, yep. It's one of my, one of the things I, I most regret over about the whole change. You know, you said things are a lot different now than they were 40 years ago. Well, the, obviously mm-hmm. the fishery is changing, but the thing I probably miss the most is those silly fish piled in that ditch and eating them jigs and flying them all over the place for two months. That was so much fun, dude. Having to wear a hard hat. Yeah, it was so much fun, though. Your head on a swivel. Oh, yeah, because yeah, everybody was right there. Everybody's seen it. Everybody's talking. You know, I mean, it's so it's it was such a social, oh. you know, thing. And everybody got along. I yeah. mean, like you said, I mean, we all, you know, I mean, all those names that you named, me, Bobby, Jamie, I mean, the list goes on. You know, pretty much has Dave Marquette to thank. For sure. I mean, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll say straight up, you know, Dave Marquette gave me my first charter that I ever had. And I mean, over the years he has given me, I don't, I, I probably can't count how many he's given me, you know, through the years. And, you know, he was always, you know, he was always really good to me and good to everybody I knew, yep. you know, as long yep. as you were good to him. Myself <laughs> you know, I mean, it, yep. it worked. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was more like a family and it was really, it was fun. You know, yep. everybody had a good time around each other and, you know, there was there was always the barking back and forth a little bit, but you know there that's, isn't, that's and, what happens when yeah, you get yeah. a bunch of guys together. Yeah, there isn't but, in any sport where everybody's competing for yeah. a dollar. It's it's you're going to get some barking. Yeah, I, I still think that I still think I remember so many days where the customers who hadn't done it before would look at me mm-hmm. at you know twelve thirty one <laughs> o'clock. Their trip is just about over, and they'd look at me like, "You like this." Like that's the most stressful thing I've ever seen done. And I'm like, dude, I absolutely love it. Like my ADD I, gets fixed in this one ditch. Just perfect. Cause your head's on a swivel. Yeah. You can't ever stop paying attention or looking or, I mean, it, oh, what a yep. cool place, man. And you know, it, it's so funny that you say that cause they, I'd, I'd always get the clients say, there's no way I would ever bring my boat down here. And I was like, yeah, it's a good thing. You yeah. know, you don't want to, but, the, the best part, you know, when we had that, that tournament run there when I was, you know, when me, Artie, John and Frank were fishing together, I, you know, I didn't fish. I drove the boat and I, I mean, I loved it. I didn't even want to fish. You know, I mean, it was that I just, I don't know what it was. It was about driving the boat and it was, that was the fun part of being in that path. Yeah. You know, yeah. just, just maneuvering around everybody work, you know, the fish working onto the fish and once you hook the fish, you know, it was just, it, it was, it was just a, it was the tournaments were just three hours of adrenaline and, and charters were like that too. When the fight was on, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you obviously, you know, you were there with all of us and in the middle of some of those bites where it was just, I mean, every time you turned around, half the fleet was hooked up. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was cool. Yeah. It was a good, good time. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's changing. I think a lot of the change is just, 
I mean, it's it's going to sound bad, but it's just the etiquette. You know, it really is. Because even, you know, I've got nothing against the jig fishing if it would be the way that we did it, you know, just, just 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's just that, that stuff changed and it just makes it hard. You know, the, the etiquette side of it and just the camaraderie and everything, it's, it's different now. You I'm know, not, I'm not sure. I'm not. And I thought this at the time and I don't know that I conveyed it out there much, even on the radio shows, but I, I know I sat back and thought about it. I'm not sure that the tournaments weren't one of the most detrimental things that had ever happened to that pass. From the they etiquette side, because there was boats, all of a sudden a there'd be a boat that would show up fishing the tournament, and it would say like fishalaska.com on the side of it, and you're like, yeah, what, what, you're, hold on, you're a professional tarpon fisherman. I'm like, I've never yeah. seen that boat before in my life, and by the looks of what you're doing, you don't have a clue. That just made it kind of messy, you know? Yeah, and I the the other part of that too, and and I I I mean we said it while we were doing it. You know, that these are going to be the, you know, for lack of a better word, the death of this, this style. And it was, you know, what you had in those tournaments, especially the last four or five years is they were all, you know, by that time they were all professional guys. You know, we were all guides. We were all the guys that were in there. We were the ones that were dry, that were in those tournaments. And you know, it, it, I don't want to sound braggadocious, but we knew how to handle boats. We knew how, we knew what the fish were going to do. We knew, so we drove much more aggressively yeah. than we ever probably should have been, sure. but we knew we could, you know, we could handle it. I knew what, you know, I could look around and see who was sitting around me. If you were to my left and say, you know, whoever was to my right, someone in front of me, I knew what they were going to do when they hooked a fish. They knew what I was going to do when I hooked a fish. So you didn't, you weren't afraid when that fish went forward to go. Cause you knew the guy in front of you, if it was Jeff Hagman was going to be out of your way. Right. You know, you right. knew that was going to happen. And so we drove a lot more aggressively and that came across very evidently on TV and people that were watching and it, it became okay. Sure. You know, and that, that really hurt. That, yeah. that was the problem because when you came back and said, Hey, you know, in, in the middle of the week, you know, what are you doing? What are you driving like that for? They're going to say, well, you know, we want you to do it on the weekends and what are you going to say? You know, I mean, they're right. You know, it, it was, I think that was a big part of it. And it, it just, you know, they, it, it was, it was tough. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to sound hypocritical, but you, you almost have to be because yeah. what we were doing was, was not, you know, was not helping the cause. No, it sure didn't. And the, and the hard part, and I don't know that people will understand this, you know, in the tournaments, at least the 25 original or 25 or 30 of us that were in there every week. I didn't have to worry about the guys on my boat, not paying attention and falling in the drink because we were all guiding. We were all in there or we were all big time Boca Grand Tarpon fishermen. So we knew the minute the guy next to you hooked up, you were coming up, you were bracing, you knew the boat was going to move. If Greg DeVault hooked up behind you, you saw it, you knew immediately your captain's going to put it in gear. He's going to get out of Greg's way. And you're right. There there was so much of that that we knew that, that Joe Blow watching on TV, when he showed up down there to fish, he didn't know any of that. And it, no. it made it, yeah, it and that, made it really tough, really tough for a it while. It did, it did. Yeah, it's too but, bad. I loved, but I'll say again, I love that. Uh, I, it, I, 
I love the, you know, I, I did and I love the adrenaline of it. I love the, you know, the, the separation of, you know, the, you know, the grind of what we did down there work-wise to have that three hours of just like, all right, man, let's go. You know, you just, just blow your top, you know, and, and, you know, all the trash talking that went with it, you know, it was, it was highly competitive, you know, so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun just all the way around. And, you know, back to your original question, the favorite place, it's, it's kind of funny because even, you know, my, my fiance now, <laughs> you know, when, when we talk like, thank you. When we, uh, when we, when we talk, I, my favorite place to fish is, is probably right here at home. I mean, I, I always look forward whenever we would travel to tournaments and stuff, I would always look forward to getting back here and fishing. And I don't know if it's a familiarity with, with the, you know, with the area or what it is, but you know, I just, I, I always love coming back here because you know, it's just an, it's a nostalgia thing. I mean, I know you just like you with Boca Grande, you know, me growing up here and just seeing, you know, knowing what's here and knowing how to deal with things here yeah. is a, is a comfort zone. And I, I love being here. I really do. It's interesting that you say that because when I, when I, when I first started guiding on Tampa Bay, because I live in the Riverview area, which, you know, won't mean much to people who don't know the Tampa Bay market, but it, Riverview mm-hmm. really dumps, you know, that it dumps from Riverview to the South shore is very close. I can be in the water in yeah. 10, 15, 20 minutes. And, and, and mm-hmm. ever since I moved my boat to the South end of the Bay, which I did really for a couple of reasons for Kingfish and for much mm-hmm. better close action to the tarpon season. And the bait situation is almost always solid near the skyway bridge versus yeah. up the Bay where it just <laughs> disappears. Um, but it, it's it's. I find myself on nice days running back to the South Shore a lot, because of that yeah. reason. Because on different tides in different situations, there's there's certain times of the year that I know they're going to be here. I know they're going to be there. They're going to be here. I can drive that shoreline and I can look and say, okay, there's a boat there. There's a boat there. There's a boat there. Oh, there's not a boat there, and they'll be there too. And I can slide in there and catch fish, and it's. It's to that whole, you know, that's what you learned on. That's what you know. That's how you fed your family for, yeah. you know, such a long stretch. So it becomes comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it's a sense. comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes a lot and, of sense. And like I say, it's, you know, even though it's changed and, and you have a lot more people, you know, it's still, you know, it's still kind of the, you know, you always kind of remember it as what it was. And I think that's the, that's the good part, you know, and it's still, you know, it's still great up here. It's still not nearly as crowded as, you know, when I go south. But, you know, it's just I, I always, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I've, I've fished almost the entire Gulf Coast and up the Atlantic Coast all the way to Virginia and, you know, and Costa Rica and places like that. And, I, you know, I still still love coming back here, even though, you know, I go to Louisiana every year. <laughs> I, I really find myself at the, you know, I'm usually out there for a month. At the end of that month, you know, I mean, we're still catching it. It's, it's stupid. As you know, I mean, we're still catching 60, 70 fish a day. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm ready to go home, you know? And it, it, I, I always, I just think to myself, I'm like, you know what, you know, maybe if I lived there, it might be different, but it's, you know, I'm just always, always ready to get back here and fish these waters here. And I just, I love them. Tough to beat home, sweet home for sure. Let me ask you, um, just because, uh, I'm I'm curious, you know, with you 
growing up here. You know, I didn't get to Florida until 1990, so I always feel like I'm so much further behind the eight ball than, than some of the great fishermen that I know because you guys fished here as kids. How, how different do you see the fishery today? Or maybe you don't. Maybe the fishery's you know, the same. But the, the fishery from, you know, when you were 18, 19, 20 years old to today, Greg, you know, where are we at? It, you know, I don't think we have any less fish. Um, you know, well, no, we do. We don't have as many fish in the water. I, I really feel that way. We don't have as many fish, and they're spread out a little more. The bit, the big difference in the fishery as it is with just about everywhere in Florida is just we have we have so many more people now. Um, you know, good examples. I, I can remember fishing fishing with my grandfather, and we'd come out. He kept his boat at a marina here, and we'd come out, and typically we'd never leave the river. You know, I mean. It, we'd catch trout in there. I mean, we'd all, we'd catch little everything, trout, trout, redfish, snook, you know, even though we didn't want to, we'd still catch them. Right. And, you know, then we'd, we'd come out on the flats and you, it'd be the same, you know, it did, anywhere you went, you know, it's, it's, I, I kind of equate it to like 30 years ago, every day was like a great day now, you know, where you just pull into a spot and you catch fish, you know, we all have those days. Right. Sure. And it was like that every day back then. You know, but I think most, I don't think it's because we're lacking in that many fish. I think it's pressure, you know, whereas when I fished with my grandfather, I can remember we'd go anywhere and I'd, I'd never see another boat inshore. You know, you might see a little John boat here and there, but all the boats were running out the channel going grouper fishing. That's all, that's what they did. Sure. You know, they didn't, the inshore fishing was not a thing, Right. you know, and then when I started, you know, when I did get to be. 17, 18, 19 years old, I, I just threw artificials. I mean, I probably, I honestly, I don't think I caught, you know, white bait for the purpose of using it as bait until shoot. I mean, I, it was probably when I started actually guiding, you know, I mean, I threw artificials all the time as a kid and we caught, you know, you just caught fish, you know, and, and we still do today, but you know, you know, as well as I do in our business, we have to, we have to have bait, yeah, for you sure. know, especially yeah. now, because again, the fish, you know, the fish that are sitting on that shoreline that never seen, that didn't see anybody for a month now see people daily, Sure. you know, and that, and that's the difference. They, they're fed daily. They see people daily. They're not, you know, they're, <laughs> I hope they're not this smart, but they're not as naive as they used to be. <laughs> so, you know, you've actually got to, you know, you got to work at them to catch them now. So, you know, you pull in, you know, and I, I, I don't remember specifically, but, you know, we pull into, I, I do remember one spot specifically that I used to always fish as a kid. We pull in there and I mean, you, if the tide was right, if it was a low tide and it was a little trough you would catch redfish after redfish after redfish. It didn't matter what you threw, you know, it was like Louisiana. Now you pull into that same trough, perfect conditions with nice juicy white bait, all of it. You're going to catch five fish, you know, now there's still a hundred fish in there, but you're only going to catch five of them because right. the other 95 were fed the day before or were chummed earlier. You know, it's just, and, and that's, that's where we're at. You know, that, that's, there's nothing we can do about it. That's just where we're at. I think for me, so, just even in the 20 years, last July was 20 years for me guiding on the bay. I just think mm -hmm. that I've seen so much change there. 
And again, we you still we still have days. You know, I I, I got customers that yell mm-hmm. at me where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, everything's really stacked against us today. I'm not sure it'll be that great, but we'll go give them hell. And you know, you pull into the dock, and my guys are looking at me like, you're a moron. You know, we caught 45 fish today, we crushed them. <laughs> you're an idiot. And I'm like, well, yeah. I know, and that's I love to be wrong. It's all good, but yeah. those days seem to be further and farther between. Either that or Back yep. in the day, I remembered the, the really good days better. So, I don't, but I mean, there was just no. They're they're farther between for sure. I think so. I just and again, I don't. I think it's that. I think it's. I think it's just the amount of pressure. And then, you know, obviously mm-hmm. with COVID and all that stuff, that put a whole new stress uh, on our fishery. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I'm a big conservation guy. I'm a big CCA guy, and mm-hmm. I think that you know all that stuff is really important as we move forward. Just oh, to, doubt. Yeah, just without to make sure the kids I, got fish to catch. Yeah, I did. I I did a seminar last night for a, a local fishing club up here, and um, you know, we were talking. They, you know, of course, it came up about you know the uh, you know the the closures and everything. And they said, you know, are you excited? One of the questions was, are you excited for it to open back up? And I, you know, I think I shocked ninety percent of the room when I said, I really hope they leave it closed for another two or three years at least. And, you know, I think the mentality that people think that we, you know, that, that, that guides especially want everything open and that we want to, you know, just rape and pillage everything when, you know, it's really opposite. And I think most fishermen, because most of those guys in that room, you know, I know, I know most of them, but a lot of them, you know, do a lot of fishing and, you know, and they were, they were all okay with it being closed. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, from the outside looking in, everybody thinks the fishing community, especially the recreational community wants to keep everything. And, you know, and then on, but when it's really vice versa and, you know, as far as the conservation side of it, you know, I, I, it's, it's always, I always kind of look at it as cross signals because everybody I know and everybody I deal with want it, want it closed you know they want to do as much for conservation as they can but yet you keep hearing that you know they've got all this pressure on them to open it up and you know they they got they're gonna have to do something and i just don't understand that part of it well and, and that could be just me not not being in touch well and i, I don't i don't i don't wouldn't call it not in touch but i would say based on the feedback that i get through the radio shows Mm-hmm. There's a large contingency of the recreational mm-hmm. angler population, not including the guides, just the recreational guys that think that the charter captains want it to stay closed because we want the recreational guys not to be able to take them so we can catch them for our clients. Yeah, and I, I get that, but I mean, <laughs> if, if it's closed, we can't take them either. <laughs> well, and again, and that's the part, I think it's a, it, I think it's a brutal misconception on their part. I really do. Because yeah. I'm, I, you know, those of us that are in this business aren't just in it to make money. Because, you know, th- th- no. this is not a get rich quick scheme becoming a charter captain as you as you know and every other charter captain I'm I figured about. it out after 25 years I'm, I'm starting to see that <laughs> exactly but, but that's what I'm saying so you know when I when I I'm like listen the only thing I mean we we all started out just we were all recreational anglers the guides were yeah. all on the recreational side we're still on the recreational side I still like to take fresh fish you know, just like you, mm-hmm. I'm a deer hunter. I enjoy the outdoors, yep. and I, and I, now I've got kids, and now, heck, unfortunately, 
Now I've got grandkids. And so, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you, 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 you want, you know, I want my young grandson and my new grandson and my granddaughter, I want them to be able to catch fish and enjoy these fisheries. And I, it scares me to death yeah. when I see what's happened in 20 years. What's it going to look like yeah. 20 years from now? I'll be retired. I mean, good Lord willing. Yeah. You know, I may be back yeah. in groceries at Publix, yeah. but I'll be, you know, I won't be on the water throwing a cast net anymore. My back won't take it. So, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, where, you know, what that to me is the important thing. And I think there's certain people that miss that, that thought process. Yeah. You know, they think we just, well, you guys, you know, I, I have one caller that, you know, rages at me that, you know, I, you just want them closed. And, and I'm, I'm actually to the point where I don't, and I've said this on the show, and I've, we've done some podcasts, Rep Morris and some other guys, where we talked about this. I'm not against them opening it right now. That's not my – I'm okay with them opening it. Here's the key. And, and, and if you get a chance, you need to listen to Rep Morris on this topic. The podcast I did with Rhett was fantastic. And Rhett is a big yeah. advocate of this same thing. And, and he's yeah. the one that started my train of thought on it. In no time in Florida's registered history have snook, redfish, and trout been all three closed at the same time. This is the perfect mm-hmm. time to adjust your limits and adjust your slots yeah. because no, no matter what you do now, you're going to give them something. If you open snook, redfish, and trout, but you change, mm-hmm. like, like, let me ask you, Greg. I mean, you're, you know, I went on your website yeah. today. You got eight gazillion pictures of redfish, Okay. Everybody knows you're, mm-hmm. you know, back to back tour champion, one of the best red fishermen mm-hmm. in the country. How much meat do you actually get off of an 18 inch redfish? Oh, none. Well, and, that's- and it's funny. You, it's funny you say this because I've had this conversation with, I don't know how many people on my boat and off my boat that what, you know, the, the change needs to be in our slot limits. Exactly. You know, we're, we're not, we're not right. I mean, our, our redfish and I, you know, I'm, I've, I've heard you talk about this and I agree. Our, our redfish need to be, you know, at least 21 to 22 to 27. And to me, and I don't, like I said, I'm, I haven't talked to a lot of people about this. I think our snook reg, our snook slot is completely backwards because the slot is designed to protect, you know, your spawning fish, your big fish. Correct. Correct. And, and, and react and, theory that's what they design sure. a slot for Absolutely. You, know, you take the fish out that that can sustain so if our snook typically you know start spawning you know the females you know whether there's enough of them or not however they you know if they're changing whatever happens around 30 to 32 inches why in the world are we keeping snook up to 33 inches you know why do we not back our snook slot down from 28 down to 25 and bring the top number from 33 to 30. I mean, a 25 inch snook still is a five pound fish has more meat than, you know, uh, you know, a a normal person is going to eat, right? You know, you're going to get, you're going to get plenty and you know, you're, you're saving everything 30 and above goes back. I mean that your, your numbers there would have to be astronomical in the difference in your, in your spawning, um, you know, in your spawning numbers. Well, and here's, here's, I like that idea, but here's one even that I thought was even better. And, and the reason that I like it so much, and you might've heard me talk about this before as well. And it's an idea I got from Rhett. If, if, if we looked at snook fishing, like we look at deer hunting, 
okay? Mm-hmm. Most of us that love to deer yep. hunt, most of us don't own our own yep. land, so we're on a lease somewhere. And all the leases right. that I've ever been on or been invited to all have, you don't shoot a, a buck until he's a certain size. Right. Whatever that be, eight point, right. you know, outside the ears, 15, mm-hmm. 16 inches, whatever whatever it is. I hunt Dooley County, so they're really hardcore, you know. Um, yeah. But, but think about, and the reason they do that is because once that deer gets to be an eight pointer and he's outside the ears, he's already probably three and a half years old, three, three and a half years old. So he started on the downturn mm-hmm. of his spawning. So when, when I, and I thought this was really interesting when Rhett said it, I thought, man, this is a really good idea. And think about how great the fishing would be when I tell you this. So how come we don't take a snook 35 or bigger? Now, for a couple years, for a couple years, it'd be pretty lean. And we all know that that big snook is not that easy to catch. But think about right. now you'd have all those years of that fish in the, in the, in the prime of his breeding life. The snook prime mm. breeding, you'd let, that fish would be in the water. Okay? And now, yeah. think about how great the fishing is, Greg, when you know, you're on the south shore of Tampa Bay or you're at Fort DeSoto in the, in the you know, late spring in May and you're catching mm. 75 snook, but they're all 25 to 27 inches long. Imagine yeah. how much fun that would be if they were all oh, yeah. 32 inches long. Oh, boy. Yep. And now, now the real wild card in, in this equation to me is imagine the enjoyment, the extra enjoyment that people would be getting out of fishing and how many more people would actually be doing it. If the average yeah. angler spends about $25 a day when he goes fishing, and that number's probably a little low, if you think about it, yeah, it's probably a little <laughs> low, think. but there's like 355,000. I want to say that's the number and don't quote me because it, it's been a while since, mm-hmm. but it's like 350,000 licensed anglers in the eight county closure area. So how much money is that a day? If those people, instead of fishing yeah. once a week are fishing three times a week, how much more money is that at 25 bucks a person? a shot yeah, that gets loaded huge. into the local economy that now we could take some of that money and put it towards the fishery, towards fishery mm-hmm. management. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. and I, I heard you a little bit. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the snook? I heard you like, mm, I don't know if I like that idea of the big snook. I mean, that's a lot of eggs, well, I but mean, that fish should be on the decline. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that was going to be my question. Do we know? You know, I mean, our our fish. You know, I mean, a, a deer, a buck. You know, especially in the South. You know, typically is a, a seven or eight year animal. You know, our snook. You know, as far as spawning potential and everything like that, are they are they that short lived? You know, I mean, well, well that's uh, true. You know, well that thirty five inch. You know, I mean, how do we know? And I, I, I get it. It's still even with that. Even if that fish still has another, say, four or five years of good spawning potential, it's still worth it if if we're only keeping that fish and not keeping the the other ones because you have all you have that many more coming up through. I mean, it's a, that is a very very solid plan. I thought it was an and, interesting uh, point. And again, you're, what your fishery yeah. would look like to me was like, cause I can go catch, I don't know any good captain on, on Tampa Bay that can't, you know, on a, on a decent weather day when the water temps near 70 yeah. degrees, can't go catch 30, 40, 50, you know, 
25 or 27 20 snook. Snook. I mean, every, you know, they're everywhere. Yeah. They run around like rats. Yeah. Now catching that 30 yeah. inch fish, that's tougher to do. We do it. Different game. But it's a different game. Yeah. So imagine the whole yeah. bay was crawling with those. That's why even on the redfish side, Greg, I like to push. I'd rather see that slot pushed to 25 to 27 for your keepers. Now imagine that. Yeah. Now imagine that your bay is covered in 24-inch redfish, 30-inch snook, how great that fishing yep. would be. And all the big trout. I don't yeah. know why we keep it speckled trout over 20 inches. makes no sense to me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't get well, I, that changed anyway, didn't it? We're only allowed the, uh, it doesn't that go into one, effect, nothing over one, 20? Is it nothing over 20 or is it one per boat? No, no. It, it's nothing yeah, over Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're, you're right. It's one per boat, it's, it's one per boat. I think, and I could be wrong. You might be right, too. They changed yeah, them on no, so fast. They changed, and I have, like I said, I haven't had, we haven't had to worry about it in so long. <laughs> I haven't, honestly, yeah. I haven't looked them, looked them up. I know they changed, I thought it, I thought it was one per boat. Three, and that was the other thing that per person, I'm hoping they do is, is the second, you know, the second option on, on when they open it back up, you know, the one redfish per vessel, the ones I'd be really, really good with that, Yeah. you know, cause yeah. that would, that, that'd make it easier on us. You know, we're not having to tell somebody that, yeah. Hey, you can't keep that 30, 30 inch snook, right. you know, that's, that's hey, the law. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Make it a legal so. issue and, and, and help us protect it. No doubt. Listen, yep. um, I could talk fishing with you. Um, and again, <laughs> I'm not, uh, not blowing sunshine here, pal. You've you always been a, a very good friend of mine on the water and off. I really respect the way you do your game, the way you go out about your business. If there's anybody out there, if you're looking for a great trip, and, and when I tell you great trip, Tampa, again, Newport Ritchie, you know, Boca Grande, Louisiana for sure. If you've never been on a trip out to Louisiana to do some fishing, Greg does a great job out there. You can go to CaptainGregD.com. That's C-A-P-T-G-R-E-G-D.com for his website. Or you can give him a call at 727-919-8660. One of the best in the business. One of my favorite people. I look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. And thanks for your time this afternoon. I know you're fishing every day. And you know, sitting on your keister and, and just chatting into the phone with me probably ain't the best use of your time, but I definitely appreciate you, pal. No, it was kind of nice just sitting here in the, on the water, just just sitting here. You're, you're our first one, and, the and, first podcast from the water with Captain Greg Vault. I just had one. You made one error, and that was the phone number. It's, oh, was it's, it? Uh, okay. Three, three sixes, yeah. It's eight six six six. It's a horrible number, but that's no, what they that's gave me. Okay, that's my bad. I wonder why. I wonder if I wrote it down wrong that's or I just right. ignored that uh, yeah, triple no, sixes there. No biggie. All right, seven two seven nine one nine eighty six sixty six. CraptonGregD dot com, or you can always get a hold of me and and say, hey, I want to go down that trip to Louisiana with Greg. Or if you're up around mm-hmm. Newport, I send a lot of people to Greg when I get calls for Newport Richie because. He's got them skinny water boats, and he's got them fish dialed in up there. So, Greg, I appreciate you, and my I friend. Congratulations, every one of them. Congratulations again on uh, on your engagement. I hadn't heard that, and uh, well, that's awesome. Well, thank bro. you. Yeah, yeah it ha- cool. happened over Christmas, so oh, I appreciate it. And, and, again, Mike, thank you for the time. I appreciate it, man. You do a great job in, in all platforms. Thank you, my friend. Keep up the good work, and yeah. we're going to get together and film that show soon, I promise you. I can't wait to get back on the yep. boat with you. Whenever you're ready. Talk soon, pal. Thank you, sir. All right, man. We'll see you later. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that episode of the Real Animals Podcast as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. That one could have went on for a long time. Captain Greg DeVault is a special, special cat. Good friend of mine. Very, very talented guy. Just uh, uh, really enjoy talking to Greg. He's always hard at it. He's always honest. 
great charter cab. You heard him early in the podcast talking about entertaining customers and you know, some captains just don't really understand the game and that's the game is it's it's time on the water, entertaining, you know, for our customers. It's them getting away from work, they're on vacation, they need to have a special day, see some cool things. And even when the fishing isn't great, you have to be able to entertain them. And again, very few charter captains on the planet any better than Captain Greg DeVault. The Real Animals Podcast, always presented by our good friends at Contender Boats, and it's available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, RITampaBay.com, and Spotify. Remember, it's important to subscribe, rate, and review. And if there's anybody out there that you would like to hear us do a podcast with, we're all ears. You can message message us at uh, uh, Facebook slash Real Animals on our Facebook page there, or you can reach out uh, on Instagram. That's Real Animals TV. We appreciate you listening. We'll be dropping another podcast soon. Stay tuned. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.